Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Dr. Carlo Bayraktarian. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Dernadek from St. Sarkis Church along with our co-host Mr. Veh Bezdigian and our producer Mr. Greg Doster. Welcome to the first episode of 2017. Let us start our show with a prayer from the praise of the Armenian Church. A wonderful and great mystery is revealed on this day. The shepherds sing with the angels. They announce the good news to the world. A new king has been born in the city of Bethlehem, you sons of men. Bless him, for our sake he became flesh. He whom heaven and earth cannot contain is wrapped in swaddling clothes. Not being separated from the Father, he rests in the holy manger. Today the heavens above rejoice at the all-bright announcement, and all creatures put on the garment of salvation. Today Christ, the Son of God, is given us in the manger, and the fiery spirits in great number descend from the heavens to earth. Today these shepherds, as they behold the Son of Righteousness, sang with the angels, Glory to God in the highest. You came down from the Father to fill creatures with your light, Son of Righteousness, Lord, glory to you. You were born in the manger, Bethlehem was glorified, Son of Righteousness, Lord, glory to you. And we also sing to you, who took flesh from the Virgin, Son of Righteousness, Lord, glory to you. Amen. I think you guessed it. That was the hymn of the Nativity, Chorurt Medzievskanchali. A hymn that most of Armenians know and sing during our services at the time of the Nativity. I'm gonna make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. As I turn up the collar, on my favorite winter coat. This wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street, but not enough to eat. Who am I to be blind, pretending not to see them? Welcome back. Thank you, Gerhard. It's good to be together doing our first show, the podcast. It is. It's always great to be back in a new year. I feel like I've been away for the past month or so with yep. the holidays, lots of travel back and forth to Montreal for myself and, and our family um, for the holidays and some other uh, 
not so wonderful occasions, but and it's you take the good life. with the bad. Take it the is. good with the bad. It is. That said, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about what's been going on here at St. Sarkis, leading into the Christmas holidays and also with capped off by Armenian Christmas. Sure. We had a New Year's celebration. You had Armenian Christmas celebration. And I got to admit, it was very odd for me to not be here at St. Sarkis for, for, uh, for Armenian Christmas. Did you go to church in Montreal? Yes, we were in, at church in Montreal with, uh, at, at Surpagop. So was it any different for you to be celebrating Christmas in a church that is not your parish? Yes, absolutely. It's not as familiar. It's not someplace, and you, you don't, you're not sharing in as much of the fellowship. Okay. Obviously, you know some of the folks there. And I was honored that when Der Karnik saw myself and Arpi in the church, and he married us, actually, because we, we were married up there in Montreal. Um, he greeted us, and we exchanged uh, the greetings, Christos Tsenaviev Haitnetsav, and he handed me the nishchar from the liturgy. And that he is, said, That's uh, a great you know, honor. That was quite an honor. So I was yes. very moved by that. So, despite not having been in, here in New York, at least we got a, an additional benefit and, and an honor and privilege of enjoying the Christmas Mass in Montreal and, and receiving such a great blessing. Absolutely. So, here was oh, very well attended on Christmas Day. Anusha van Serpazan celebrated, and it was rainy, the weather was not perfect, but during Badarak, there was this influx of people who came in. They stayed for a while, and then they went back. It felt like as if people were coming from work or something, just mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. part of the celebration. Mm -hmm. And that was really good. And we had a lot of children. And at the end, um, some of our Saturday school students performed a few songs downstairs, which was a great thing. You know, um, It's our traditions that we need to make alive and uh, if we do not keep our own traditions, nobody will keep it for us. That's right. So after um, after the Badarak and uh, the fellowship hour downstairs, Anusha Van Sarpazan and myself went to the Armenian old age home. They always, always have uh, Christmas lunch in there, and it's really good that Sarpazan was there. And uh, We sang a few sharagans, Khorutmets being one of them. Uh, we gave the blessed water, and then we went to the prelacy where there was... Oshagan Serpazan's reception. Re so reception was, for Christmas. Again, that was another event that we missed having been away. Sure. And then God gave us the Saturday, the day to rest. Mm -hmm. We observed this, this Sabbath. You observed the Sabbath? We did. Yeah. It was snow and we yeah. had to cancel Saturday school. So <laughs> it was a beautiful day that we spent home. Was but, there anything sort of uh, outstanding to you about this year's Christmas services here at the church or the, the Christmas experience? For, uh, for Armenian Christmas? Um, Christmas Eve, it was not well attended the way that we had uh, years before. Um, mm. That's one observation. Christmas Day was very well attended, and um, we had a lot of um, altar servers. Everybody came, the deacons. And um, Gary Nersesen was the godfather of the cross, and that's uh, that's a great honor. That, that is know, nice. Yeah, yeah nice. so um, the choir performed very nice, and Anusha Van Serpazan seemed to be pleased, so... Nothing, you know, super outstanding, but mm. the, the regular stuff, which which was observed in a very beautiful way. I have to admit, uh, I was a little embarrassed having gone to Christmas Eve Mass uh, up in Montreal. I assumed that when we called, when do the services start? They told us it starts at 6.30 p.m. Uh -huh. We thought that incorporated the Bible readings oh. and the uh, intersevadzis 
okay. leading going into the shot our guns. So you gave uh, yourself some, some time? So we gave ourselves some time, and then we only caught the tail end of Badarak okay. as a result. And I said, I guess they do it differently here. I right. assumed that. Because I remember talking to you about it. I thought that that is kind of dictated from the church, that you're going to follow mm-hmm. specific practices sure, at certain sure. times. Sure. Is that, I guess... Some churches may not, yeah. you know. This year we skip we skip uh, the readings. Um, oh, there were no readings here either. Um, we skipped most of the readings because the week that I was supposed to give the readings to our Saturday school students, mm-hmm. school was canceled because of the snow, uh, and then I never okay. got to give the readings to our students. So on Christmas Eve, it was two readings that was done by myself and Bedig, I see. I and see. then the Taniel. Very interesting. Bedigan Oshagan Serpazan read. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Oshagan Serpazan and Bedros did a wonderful job. And then so, who did the Vochinch? Well, they they, did the Vochinch. They uh, they did it in um, modern Armenian, so it was all reading. Ah, And maybe for the first time, the congregation understood what this whole. Vochinch. Yeah, they were able to understand what is the. I like the traditional aspect. I'd rather follow along. Kind of like the liturgy. We could do the liturgy in modern spoken Armenian. Right. You could probably change it all and make make mix it make it modern spoken uh, Armenian. Armenian as well as English. But I think that there's something really beautiful about sure. listening to it in Karapad and the consistency. That's the consistency the, is the wonderful. beauty of the Armenian church is it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It's going to sound exactly the, the same. same. So it's kind and of, you know what? That's a little, nice piece. Little ambiguity in, in your uh, spiritual experience doesn't harm. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when everything is plain, it kind of loses the. Um, Maybe. Yeah. So as long as there's an explanation, though. A- absolutely. Because that's been my struggle. I think. Yeah. And historically, I think the church is doing a lot better. Right. But my issue has been that we're doing these very elaborate liturgical right. celebrations without a whole lot of explanation. Uh-huh. And now I think we're doing a better job, and I, you know, tip my hat to the clergy for doing a better job of communicating that to the to the parishes. I have a cousin. Uh, her husband is non-Armenian. Obviously, he is married to an Armenian lady, and they go to an Armenian church every week. And this, I was having a conversation with him the other day, and he goes like, "The book is wonderful. I am I'm, mm-hmm. I'm able to follow everything in the book." So. If the non-Armenian is giving a testimony like that, That's that true. they are that able really, to understand everything, I think... Um, yeah, all Armenian. We have no excuses. Uh, yeah, though. we don't have any yeah. excuses. It's, yeah. it's there. It's in modern Armenian and English. And it helps when Harry Million is flipping the, the pages, pages or yeah. Turn, yeah. Le- yeah, identifying the pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a new year, and we have um, some new plans for this year. Uh, let's talk about our events that are upcoming. We okay. have the Sunday School. Ah, yes, I received. That we are starting this week. I thought it was a misprint. It's not a misprint. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful flyer that Greg designed for us. And um, I'm happy to report that as of 
tonight it's tuesday uh, as of t tonight we have 34 students registered not including my two kids so That's we have great. a good number of students who are interested and i hope that they will come and they will learn about their faith so that's wonderful um let me break it down it's going to be very simple 11 o'clock they will start and depending on how many students we end up having we'll have classes accordingly um, we have great teachers yeah where did you get the faculty was this something that you had been organizing for we've a period been working of time? on it or and have uh, okay yeah and uh here's the faculty it's gonna be um my wife ani mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna be lena my assistant it's gonna be um sonia nanajian jonathan nanajian Pamela Keshishan and Lara Bardisbanyan. And I hear that Greg also has volunteered to help. And we are implementing um, the curriculum that is provided by the ARIC, Armenian Religious Education Committee of the Prelacy. It's a solid program. And um, it looks like you know our community is supporting the idea. Good. It's nice. I mean, I we had talked about it historically that you look to incorporate the religious aspect into Saturday's what was the trigger to okay here's the trigger on sundays we have a lot of children who come to church along with their parents and i know the attention span of our children uh, is very short even when i bribe my children to come to church after 30 minutes they are really tired mm -hmm. so um believe me i know and it's a distraction for the parents mm -hmm. so having a sunday school where the kids can learn something and be with their friends will give the opportunity for the parents to come and enjoy the worship service at church. I will very much discourage the idea that the Sunday school, it's a babysitting service. I, I will not accept that. I will be personally offended if parents came, dropped their kids, and went to the diner next door to have yeah. coffee. I would personally be offended. If you're dropping your kids, I expect you to come and worship with us. Yeah. And God deserves to be worshipped. Have you made that? I, I, that may not be a bad requirement. Well, this, to we're require, making it now, eh? Let's require it. <laughs> yes. That if you're going to bring your children to Sunday school, that you come to the worship service. Yeah. You cannot be run, running errands and doing your grocery shopping or even having coffee while your kids are in Sunday school. Mm -hmm. We expect you to be at church. You know, it's, it's time for everyone to mm -hmm. renew our spiritual life mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. get to know more about uh, about God and our traditions. So I hope I'm not sounding rude or anything, but this it's is my rude. honest requirement from the parents. It's not rude. So that's the Sunday school. And uh, we will not be taking away the religious education from our Saturday school. This will be additional, and I uh, hope it will be beneficial for everyone.
when tears are not enough, our bereavement group is coming back in January, and it's mm-hmm. going to be 10 consecutive sessions with one break in mid-February. And this year, we are using Understanding Your Grief, 10 Essential Touchstones for Finding Hope and Healing Your Heart. Last year, we were using um, Kubler-Ross's um, Five Stages of Grief. This is uh, something different that we're using this year. And the goal is to help the members of our community who have lost members and their families mm-hmm. to try to heal. And it's very important for everyone to be able to process the grief because it's not something that will go on its own. It's not something that time will heal. Yes, time heals, but when you process your pain, it's the healing is done better. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was um, at St. John's University and we had the head of our department who was also um, one of our professors speaking to us about the importance of of this. And he goes like, um, I went to give a lecture in Ireland and it was about a topic that had nothing to do with bereavement. And I decided to give on the fly, I decided to give um, an example about my father. And he said, the minute that I said, my father, he goes like, I broke into tears. Mm-hmm. And it had been 10 years since my, my father had died at that point. And it was then when I realized that I, had, I haven't done my part of uh, breathing, bereavement, bereavement mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. So he goes like, I came back and I took care of myself. Mm-hmm. So no matter who you are, and this this guy had a doctorate degree in counseling. And you, no matter how much time has passed. Yeah, you need to do the work. So mm-hmm. I encourage um, our parishioners to come. And this is going to be a closed group. Let me explain what a closed group mean, means. It means that it's a group that you cannot just decide to join in, on the fifth session. You have to be here from the beginning. I see. And it's a limited group. It's not going to go on forever. It's going to be only for 10 sessions, an hour and a half um, each week. And I encourage everyone who has lost a beloved member uh, in their families to come here and to process that pain uh, with us in this very safe environment. Deadhide, I feel like 2016 was a particularly bad year it was. in our community. Um, with the amount of people that have passed on. And I'm sure there are a lot of members in the community that are struggling with this, so I think it's incredibly timely. It is. That's why we decided that we need to do this. One thing, I've always sort of struggled with how to approach people. Like, we, we focus a lot on the funeral and the wake and exchanging and really discussing and sharing our experiences with, with the member of the family, mm-hmm. the loved one who had recently died i've struggled with talking about the past person of the the person who's who's no longer with us after the fact weeks months afterwards when i see my friends or you see people in the community and you know they're struggling with it do you have any guidance for people like myself and you know i know it's not specific to this topic but generally as it relates to bereavement how comfortable we should feel bringing up the person's name and asking how they're feeling and how they're doing in the months and 
years following a, a person's death? Um, that's a great question, Veh, because there are so many people who are afraid of uh, asking any questions. Mm-hmm. It is even considered to be a taboo in our society. You know, they don't want to talk because they think this is something very private. Uh, I don't do that. I'm I'm the opposite. When I am with someone that I know they they lost, you know, a, a member of their family, I just ask them. You know, the the soft approach would be, "How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. How is it going for you?" Um, the more direct approach would be, "How is the process of bereavement?" Because I know it's a process. Um, I ask them, "How are you dealing with with the, with your loss?" I ask them questions, and you know, it's an open-ended question, and it's up to them at that point to to answer. Mm-hmm. Not always I get the, I get the same kind of answer. Sometimes people just you know the, shut me off; they don't want to talk about it. And other times they're they're willing to talk, and it becomes an opportunity for them. To share, and we have to be uh, understanding that most of the time people are angry, people are um, depressed, people you go through various emotions, and that's very natural. And we sometimes we have this tendency to try to tell them everything is gonna be okay. No, everything is not gonna be okay mm-hmm. because this is a new reality that they are embracing. And to be angry is very natural because anger gives you the feeling that you're in control. And in times of loss, you want to be in control. You want, you know, your mind is trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense at all. So you can be angry with God. You can be angry with your friends. It's very natural. And you shouldn't be offended. I mean, when I say you uh, is the person who's asking questions or approaching the one who is right uh, in pain, you shouldn't take that personally and you shouldn't be offended. You know, um, people... It's out of concern. And that's why I ask, because I'm sure everyone feels this way. If you're going to see that person, you think of that. The last thing you want to do is avoid the topic when you know the person's struggling. It's an opportunity to connect and to make some kind of emotional connection. I think avoiding could be more uh, disrespectful than asking a question. Yeah. So. um, But it's the safer route. So that's why, I mean, I think some people maybe struggle with it. I don't think I'm alone. I try, and then you you kind of dance around it and be as delicate as possible. Sure. But I just wanted to ask your sure. opinion on that. So I, I I'm I'm glad you're going forward with this again, and I know a lot of the members of the community. I want to share one more thing, you know, the, uh, if you don't mind. It's is this is something that I get, you know, when when I ask questions to people, and they tell me maybe I shouldn't tell this to you. You're a dead hire, but I'm very angry with God, mm-hmm. and I say um, that is perfectly fine to be angry with God, you know, it's, we're dealing with something that it's very difficult for anyone to deal with, and having that anger should not prevent you from speaking to your pastor, coming to church, or trying to find meaning in a situation where nothing makes sense. Mm-hmm. So again, um, come to church, come to your uh, bereavement group, we'll send the registration forms, and I hope that people will be encouraged to, to join us. Tuesdays, 6 to 7.30 p.m.? 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the Pagumian Hall of St. Sarkis Church.
On Sunday, January 22nd, following church services, we will be hosting, and I say we, talking collectively, the royal we, St. Sarkis Armenian Apostolic Church, a panel discussion on mental health with some members of our community as well as uh, someone who has participated in our community events. I'll name the, the physicians. First off, we have Dr. Kylo Barakdarian. Carlo is an MD in geriatric psychiatry, and he is a huge supporter of the podcast. If you notice, almost every week when we talk about sponsorship, it's always Carlo. So thank you, Carlo, and thank you for participating in this event. Also, Dr. Hagop Gorgisian, who's a psychiatrist, member of our church board, and a very active member in our church. And if I might add, played an incredible Santa Claus he was a great Santa Claus. I saw him all made up, professional makeup, at Holy Martyrs for the for the Armenian Day School. They had their Christmas Hantes. And he came out, for made up. For the second year I hear, right? He was so good. And it really was captivating because the kids were beside themselves. They thought it was really Santa Claus. Like, my kids were saying, Daddy, that was the real Santa Claus. That wasn't a guy who was wearing a beard. So, And this is what we have uh, one of the parents at the school is the head makeup artist for Saturday Night Live. Louis Zakarian. So he came. Louis yeah. came and, and set it up. So it was really, it was a nice experience. Amazing. So I digress. That's a, <laughs> totally unrelated, but I had to mention that. And um, my friend and participant in the Simply Christmas program, uh, Dr. Yeraz Meshian, uh, she's a PhD in clinical psychology. She will also be participating and she's also a member of Zulal and we enjoyed that during Simply Christmas. So we hope our uh, parishioners will join us that day. Again, it's January 22nd. Deadhide, you want to expand sure. a little more about what where, what was the impetus behind this and why we're doing it? It is called Ways to Wellness and we have these three professionals as you mentioned where they will come and talk about various mental difficulties, mental health difficulties that we can encounter in our lives and what are some of the best ways to make our lives a little bit better? This idea was uh, our good friend Anahid Ugurlayan's idea. This She was the person who came up with the suggestion. And we said, let's have a panel discussion. And um, I will be um, moderating the panel discussion. And I'm, I'm excited uh, to have very fine three professionals Um devoting their time coming to our community to speak about something that is very near and dear to my heart. So. And you'll be wearing your hat as a psychologist as well. Mental, as health, a mental health professional. LMHC, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I love I love doing that. And uh, when you're speaking about the professionals, um, I have to say that Dr. Hagop Gorgisian was very helpful in uh, finding the internship for me because uh, in my program, at the end of the... Um, academic studies you had to do a whole year of internship mm -hmm. and dr hago placed me in his hospital and it was the great help that he that he could have uh, offered to me and I'm, I'm very grateful for his help and all the experience that i got uh, working in the hospital for a whole year a little added benefit of being in the saint sarkis family here absolutely it's nice to have those connections helping each other out finding networking opportunities networking to, to is great new new jobs new new professional uh opportunities as i said so ways to wellness come join us um if you have any questions pertaining anything that has to do with mental health with behavior 
um, you you will, uh, are welcome to ask and uh, find the, the answers from the professionals. Let's do the Bible reading and reflection. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We are still in the season of nativity. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. The Gospel of the Lord. We have heard this story so many times. We've seen so many scenes of the nativity that we know exactly what's going to happen. Joseph and Mary riding on the donkey going to the town of Bethlehem and it's night and there's nowhere for them to stay. They have checked all the hotels of the town, all the motels of the town and everywhere there's no vacancy sign. But is that what happened when Jesus was born? Because uh, that's what we've been taught. That height is that not how it went down? I think th you know there's a th there's something that we need to uncover from the scene, because if there was a decree and people had to go, Joseph must and Mary must have made some arrangements for them to travel to their hometown of Bethlehem. It could have happened that you know they were like, oh, let's just go there, and when they got there, there was no room for them. It, this idea goes very much against the Middle Eastern idea of hospitality. And, you know, as a person who comes from the Middle East, I know that hospitality is um, such an important thing for us. Honoring your guest is something that is very, very important. So you take personal offense to this? I do. I do. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but, you know, I've been reading um, this book lately, um, Jesus in the, um, in the Middle Eastern Eyes from... Um, a very respected professor who spent a lot of time in the Middle East. And I just read this, uh, the um, explanation of chapter 2 from the Gospel of Luke, and it's very interesting. When he said that he was from the house of David, it meant that he belonged to the family of David. And I'm sure that Joseph had a lot of cousins there. And I'm sure that some of those family members had made arrangements for them to stay. But this whole end part, we need to understand that we're not talking about hotels or motels. We're just, just talking about the regular houses where it was attached to the stable. 
and the animals living in the stable provided heat to the household members and the house. And the inn was another room where it was um, kept for guests. And probably when they arrived, that room was taken. So the family welcomed them in the family room and they used the manger as a crib. Mm-hmm. So Jesus was born in a very normal condition with loving family members. And we need to look at it from that perspective to see that um, Jesus, yes, was born in a humble place, but it was not that he was born in the midst of cruel people who had no sense of um, compassion to a lady who's giving birth. So next time when you read this, think about it in a different way. And I hope that we will read this around next Christmas because people are tired of hearing the text over and over again. It yeah, is I the word that I, we just debated before we even started doing this reading. This is from the readings of the Armenian Church, and this was on the schedule for today. For the lectionary. Thursday, yes. The lectionary. And I was curious as to why we continue, even though we are past the birth of Christ, we celebrate. Advent is complete. Correct? Yes, Advent is complete, but we celebrate the birth for eight days, ah, the octave of the nativity. Ah, so okay. for eight days, we keep celebrating, and that's a beautiful thing. The hymn today is Chorurt Medz, the nativity hymn of the Armenian Apostolic Church. I hope you will enjoy listening to this hymn for the maybe last time for this year. I would like to thank all of our listeners. I'd like to thank Veh and Greg and our sponsor. I hope we will be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, I pray that the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ will always be in your hearts. Amen.
Today's podcast was brought to you by Dr. Carlo Bayraktarian. If you'd like to sponsor future episodes, please contact the St. Sarkis Church office at 718-224-2275.